four times when I come home after after a rough workout and be like, if this is it, if it's over, was it worth it? And as long as I could answer yes, it's it was all worth it up to this point, then I always knew that I had one more day in me. I wasn't looking for 10 more days, two more weeks, a year. As long as I had one more day in me, I could get up at 4 a.m. the next morning, head down to the, you know, head down to the track and, and try and tinker around with the prosthetic and try and uh, trying to figure out a better solution. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance, where we talk about how you can learn to think, feel, perform, and live like a champion. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. My name is Kim Peek, and I'm the author of Holistic Endurance Training, the Integrated Approach to Thriving as an Athlete. I've talked a few times recently about how fired up I am after attending this year's virtual Idea World Fitness Convention. And one of the things that it reinforced for me is just how much good information is in my book that will help you thrive during this pandemic. Now, I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, but I'm just saying you might think because of the title that my book is only for endurance athletes, and so maybe you think it's not for you. And it's true. It was written with the long-distance athlete in mind, but the concepts in this book are sound concepts for anyone who wants to be more confident, enjoy life more, and feel better. One of the things referenced over and over again at the conference was the importance of eating nutrient-dense whole foods. We talked about rest, recovery, and rejuvenation methods. We talked about mindset and focusing on what is within your control. And we talked about the importance of exercise and the role of high-intensity interval training. All of these things are aspects of training for an endurance event and... They're also all tools you can use to deal with any stress and anxiety that you are feeling right now. There was an article making the rounds over the weekend, and maybe you saw it too. I know a bunch of my friends were sharing it. It was posted on Medium, and it's called Your Surge Capacity is Depleted. It's Why You Feel Awful. It's by Tara Halley. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but in the article, she interviews Anne Mastin, a psychologist and professor at the University of Minnesota. And she defines this word surge capacity, which is what's in the title, your surge capacity is depleted. She defines surge capacity as a collection of mental and physical adaptive systems that humans draw on for short-term survival in acutely stressful situations, such as natural disasters. In this case, The pandemic has stretched out indefinitely. I think a lot of us thought back in March that we were going to quarantine, huddle up in our houses for two weeks and it would all be over. And now this has just gone on and on and on. And the article says that when surge capacity has been depleted, it has to be renewed. Well, how do we do that? So this COVID uncertainty has been going on for six months now. And You might be using words to describe how you feel like tired, depleted, unmotivated, numb, unable to focus, sad, or disconnected. Guess what? You are not alone. I'm going to link the full article in the comments because I think it's really worth the read. But in the article, Dr. Pauline Boss, a family therapist and professor emeritus at the University of Minnesota, says that These feelings that we're feeling of being tired and unmotivated, just kind of feeling numb, unable to do anything, that it's harder for high achievers because we're accustomed to solving problems, getting things done, and having a routine. And we're not used to living in this complete state of uncertainty because we like to take charge of things. The experts in the article pointed to a number of coping strategies. And again, go back and read the full article. I'll link it in the notes. But I want to highlight three key things that they mentioned. Number one, look for activities, new and old, that continue to fulfill you. Number two, focus on maintaining and strengthening important relationships. And then this last one, begin to slowly build your resilience bank account. And guess how you do that? Yep, with all the things we talk about on the podcast each week. 
sleep, nutrition, exercise, meditation, self-compassion, gratitude, and connection, and learning to say no. Don't take on more than you can right now. All the people who are wanting you to do them favors or if there's things you just don't feel like doing, learn to say no. Now, we can't do all of this overnight, but if you pay just a little attention, remember we're always talking about baby steps, if you pay just a little bit of attention to one or two of these each day, over time you're going to slowly start rebuilding your resilience account, your ability to deal with the unexpected, that surge capacity that's been deleted. You're going to replenish that. And slowly, you're going to start to feel like you have some control over your life. And all of these themes com- things combined are going to help you feel more like yourself. Now, I want to get to what you came here for. Today's guest, Creighton Wong, has some great stories to share. And he is super inspiring. And he might just leave you wanting to get out there and ride your bike. Creighton was born with a congenital defect that caused missing fingers on both hands and required his right leg to be amputated above the knee. It wasn't until his 30s, after being inspired by some athletes you'll hear about in this episode, that Creighton decided to train for a triathlon himself, which meant he had to learn how to ride a bike and run long distances. With assistance from the Challenged Athletes Foundation, Creighton completed the San Francisco Triathlon in 2008 and has gone on to compete in numerous triathlons and athletic events including the ITU World Championships in Beijing. Creighton is also a business owner, and you can get the links to his social media and his website in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this inspiring talk with Creighton Wong. Welcome to the show, Creighton. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. So you are a big-time paratriathlon world champion. Can you tell us how you got into triathlon? Well, to clarify, I, I raced in the world championships, <laughs> uh, and, and uh, that particular one I, I lost to the six-time champion um, out there in uh, Budapest. And you know, I I always always loved sport, and it didn't matter whether I, when I was growing up, whether we were playing uh, basketball in the schoolyard or. Um, four square at recess. Like I just loved, uh, being physical. I loved, uh, competing and it, it, it just, it's what makes me, uh, feel alive. Um, but as you can also imagine when you have a disability, that's very, very apparent. Um, I'm an above knee, uh, amputee for those of you who are, well, you're listening, you're not watching. And, um, I'm also missing a few digits on both hands. I, you know, less so today, but, but back in the day growing up, uh, uh, there, there was an assumption that you couldn't, uh, you couldn't do things. And so I got my start in triathlon really completely on accident. Uh, I was minding my own business. Um, I think I was probably just having a beer and lying on a sofa, flipping channels, uh, one afternoon. And, um, you know, the Ironman world championships in Kona was on. And I don't know if you've ever watched that, but, uh, it's a, it's a 90 minute production and, uh, it, it's, it's almost impossible to go the whole 90 minutes without uh, bawling your eyes out. Cause, uh, they, they just, they build so much drama into it. And, uh, in this particular one, like I had never seen triathlon, never done triathlon, never knew anything about triathlon. And in this particular episode was a, um, beautiful girl by the name of Sarah Reinertson. And uh, she has a, a very similar above knee amputee uh, leg situation like mine. And, and I'm watching her do this whole thing in Kona. And I was like, Oh, wow, that's, you know, that's pretty cool. And um, unfortunately, that year, she timed out. And uh, I, you know, whatever, I didn't do anything, you know, went about my very, very life. And a year later, <laughs> there I am, probably having another beer on the sofa, flipping channels, and the exact same show comes on, and there she is again. Uh, she came back a second year in a row for what she called, uh, quote-unquote, unfinished business, and um, 
and she completed the uh, the Kona World Championships that year. And I, uh, you know, I'm a little hard headed. I got the clue. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you believe in, God, the universe, whatever. I'm like somebody's trying to tell me something. So I went looking for her, and I went look, you know, to thank God for the internet. I, I was only a few hops away from my computer and got on the computer and start uh, Googling around. And I ended up over at Oser, um, which is the manufacturer of uh, all the awesome uh, uh, adaptive equipment um, that she was using. And uh, the nice gentleman over there said, you know, I, I think you really ought to be talking to the, uh, the fine folks at the Challenge Athletes Foundation. And uh, the Challenge Athletes Foundation is uh, an organization that uh, raises a lot of money now um, to help outfit people like myself with adaptive equipment because adaptive equipment can be very expensive and very cost prohibitive. And um, it's not covered by uh, regular uh, health insurance. So to get, you know, what they do is get people active and really more almost just as important, if not more important, uh, they've created this amazing community of um, challenge athletes that really have this awesome can do uh, mentality. So anywho, I get in contact with them. And and so just, you know, I want you to put this in perspective. Imagine this, like three months later, I'm on a flight down to San Diego and to go to a run clinic in Del Mar featuring Sarah Reinertson. Oh, and so, so cool. you know, here's this, this incredible, incredible woman who, who, who uh, finished, was the first female amputee to uh, finish Kona. And, and three months later, I get to meet her. And that started my upward spiral into learning how to ride a bike, learning how to run, uh, and competing in many triathlons from the world championships to escape from Alcatraz to uh, uh, Ironman as well. That is amazing. So are the bikes made differently? Is there, the bike is an adaptive bike in some way, or is it a bike like I would ride? Uh, It depends who you are. Uh, So, so for a lot of um, uh, leg amputees, the, they can ride pretty much normal bikes uh, because it's really, it's really the adaptive prosthetic. That's the important okay. thing. Myself, cause I'm special, <laughs> you know, um, we, you know, I actually had to go to, um, uh, I'll give a shout out to, to my boy, Steve over at uh, Livermore Cyclery. He just, uh, retired and I walked in there and I said, Steve, I need a bike geek. I, I need a guy that isn't going to just charge me for hours and hours and hours, but wants to take on this challenge of building a bike for somebody who's got really short fingers, two fingers on one side, three fingers on the other, and and so that I can ride a bike. Yeah, that and would be took, a really important consideration there. Yeah, yeah, um, because I had gone through a couple um, bike guys and failed, and so – he took that challenge on and because of him, we were able to um, like literally what he did was he came in or I came into the, the shop, sat there on um, a st- you know, a bike and we just started putting equipment on it and pulling, you know, seeing what worked, what felt right, pulling it off if it didn't, you know, feel right. And um until we got ourselves a bike that uh, that I could ride, and That's you know, so cool. and so I got to be that, uh, you know, I don't know what it is, uh, six or eight year old kid that got to ride his bike for the very first time, you know, in my thirties, and absolutely, absolutely loved every every second of it. That is so amazing. So, on the path to getting to the world championships and learning how to ride that first bike and learning how to run. Were there any mindset obstacles that you needed to overcome? What was the learning process like? 
you know, honestly, I was just so excited to be riding a bike and, uh, you know, running for the first time that, you, you know, the, the enthusiasm was just pouring out of me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of work, but the work can be a lot of fun if you're enjoying yourself. And so uh, I, I had always been a swimmer because as a, as an amputee, it required no adaptive equipment. So I always enjoyed it. And so that was, that was pretty simple. Uh, the cycling, I just, like I said, I, I just took to it and, and, and absolutely loved. Um, the running was at least for me, extremely difficult. Uh, it, it, uh, <laughs> it destroyed my back and, um, you know, there were, there were a lot of iterations and a lot of falls and, and you know, there were, there were times that I would, so, so I would wait, would wake up at four in the morning, um, because I could go down to the local high school track and it would be empty there and I would run around and fumble around and try and figure it out. And, uh, there were times when I come home after, after a rough workout and be like, if this is it, if it's over, was it worth it? And as long as I could answer, yes, it's, it was all worth it up to this point. Then I always knew that I had one more day in me. I wasn't looking for 10 more days, two more weeks, a year. As long as I had one more day in me, I could get up at 4am the next morning, head down to the, you know, head down to the track and, and try and tinker around with the prosthetic and trying to, trying to figure out a better solution. I love that so much because I always say when I'm coaching that, you know, getting to the finish line or doing that race, that is like a blip in time. It's just like a sliver of time. And there's so much work that comes up to that day that if you're not enjoying the process, is it really worth it? I mean, why are you going through this, all this pain if you're not getting something out of the training and the process? So I like that you were able to look and be like, was this worth it? Yeah. And absolutely. You know, I, I, I think it's funny because one of the cliches is the, uh, was it the Lao Tzu quote, uh, the, um, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And, and that's absolutely true. Um, but I think sometimes the first step is given too much credit because <laughs> you can, you can get yourself all lathered up and excited and amped up to, to go do something. Uh, but to me, you know, the real goal is to get it so that it becomes a habit. It is integrated into who you are and who you want to become. And you show up on those days. I mean, I, I'd be lying to you if I said every day was just a joyous day of, tra you know, training. There were days where I'm like, this body does not want to move at all. And you've got to do these little mind tricks where it's like, okay, here's the deal. You're going to get your butt down to the pool and you're going to go swimming for five minutes. If you still feel sick, you can go home. But if you feel good after five minutes, we're doing the entire workout. And if you could trick your brain just that much, there wasn't a singular time that I got in for five minutes and went home. Then it always finished true? the workout, always felt amazing afterwards. But those are the, you know, those are the little games that you've got to play with yourself to just show up every single solitary day. Yeah, I agree. I think that's really important too. And that's important for everybody, you know, people who are trying to get into fitness or people who just don't know where to start. There's a lot of days you don't want to do it. So I think that's a great mind trick. Now you mentioned to me earlier that you once drafted off the J-Lo at the <laughs> Malibu Triathlon. Tell us about that. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a very fun uh, uh, triathlon. I, I think that was the one and only uh, uh, tri triathlon that JLo JLo did. And so I, I actually saw her, you know, while, while I was on the bike, um, on the bike portion of it. Uh, I think Matthew McConaughey was there, uh, David Duchovny. Um, and and th there's just a lot of celebrities that like to attend that one. Um, that, that particular one actually has a lot of... Um, 
uh, personal memories <laughs> for myself because that was the one where like I was just getting started. And so I'd never done a distance that long. At that point, I hadn't even figured out how to like shift my bike and, you know, climb hills. And it's not a hilly race, but there's a couple like little bumps there. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And so uh, I'm down there with my fellow amputee and, and good buddy, John, Jonathan Bick. And, and it was hilarious. We showed up and um, the, the, the logistics on that were crazy stupid. And um, they ended, they ended up dropping us off or parking us like a, a mile away. And so we got to, we got to bring all of our gear a mile just to get into the transition and set up. And so, so John goes and he's like, here, take the stuff. And he, he takes the bikes and he's, he's trying to get closer. And so I'm schlepping all this stuff. And, and at that time, like, um, you, you would have thought I was planning a move to Paris or something like that. I just carried so much crap with me. It was ridiculous. And then I, you know, I had these people coming up to me like, do you need help? You like, do you, do you want, can we carry something for you? Um, and we get in, we're so late by the time we get in the transition area, they're kicking everybody out of the transition oh, no. area. We run to our challenge athletes foundation tent. Um, we don't even have time to get into wetsuits because the race is starting. I, by the way, you cannot verify that I was on that race because I ended up leaving my timing chip in the tent oh, and we just, um, and, okay. And so here's the thing, logistically, you kind of figure this out. I don't swim with my leg on. So I literally went down to the beach getting ready to jump into the water and I just found some random dude, some, some kid. And I'm like, I need a favor from you. I need you to take this leg and I need you to meet me over there when I get out of the water. Oh my gosh. So, and so it was, it was just so ridiculous. And, and the funny thing the is, react? I, <laughs> whatever. He was a kid. He was, he was on board. Like he thought it was the coolest <laughs> thing in the world. You know? like, this is cool. Yeah, it was hilarious. So then, the funny thing is, is John and I somehow were like number one and number two out of the water from all the amputees. We get into the transition area. I shoot out on the bike. I'm like five minutes into, you know, five miles into the bike. And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't, I carried about 10 water bottles with me in all my gear. And I didn't put one of them on the bike. Oh no! So, so I'm sitting here going, "What am I gonna do?" And so I'm like, I'm riding my bike, and I'm just looking for people who have like Gatorades. I'm like, "Can I get a Gatorade?" And, and everything, and then <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was just a hot, steamy mess. The funny thing is, is we 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 did a triathlon maybe like three months later at uh, um, Treasure Island, and instead of being the last two people to show up for the triathlon, I think we were the we were the first two people to show up like five Learn hours from your early. mistake. <laughs> exactly. Independently too. So, um, so yeah. And, and I drafted off of JLo for a little bit. So, you know, probably that's pretty fun. <laughs> so you really did just jump right into it with, without really thinking through all those transitions and how you're going to get to point A to point B. Now, have you ever used a coach throughout that process? Yeah, well, two things. So, so the first is, I mean, I, I did read up on it, right? Subscribed to Triathlete Magazine, read the Beginner's Triathlete book and stuff like that. But like every single thing in life, you just got to do because you can't possibly understand uh, all the variations and all the mistakes that can be made until you're actually taking action on thing, uh, things. I think it was uh, Bruce Lee who said something to the effect of, that there is absolutely no, like you just can't understand or comprehend swimming on dry land. <laughs> you just, you got to get in the water and you got to do things. Um, so, so to answer that question, um, yeah, we just, I mean, just dove in and, and had as much fun as we possibly could. Um, as far as coaching, uh, I'll give a shout out to, to my coach, Jay Ridgeway. Um, of PacWest uh, Athletics and PacWest Endurance. And he, he just, uh, you know, he was such a great guy because, uh, you know, I, 
I, I met him and I came down to, uh, we would have track workouts down at the local high school. And, um, you, you know, he, he was just always trying to think in terms of like, how can we, you know, how can we take the fundamentals of running with an able-bodied person and best apply them, you know, to me and my situation, my unique situation. And, um, and yeah, so he, he's, he's been a, a great coach and, uh, an even better, uh, mentor and friend. And we've put many miles on the bikes together. Uh, but you don't really get further along without either having a coach or a mentor or, or just have, surrounding yourself with people that, uh, that are better than you, that push you to be great. Now, are there, do you have any good resources for people who are either amputees or paralyzed who want to get into any type of an adaptive sport or something like the para triathlon, uh, para triathlon? Yeah. Go to, go to the challenge athletes uh, foundation. Just Google it. I think, I believe it's challengeathletes.org, and uh, they're located down there in San Diego, California, but they're international. Right, so if you're listening to this podcast uh, somewhere in Zimbabwe or, or, or something like that, um, there's still a chance that uh, they might take your application and and be able to uh, uh, get you a running blade or, or, or adaptive equipment or funds and training. Uh, they, you know, they they're, they combine with OSER. Um, <clears throat> to to put on uh, different run clinics and events uh, throughout the year, so I don't I don't know how COVID is affecting that or not, but you know nonetheless, um, shoot, last year we were we were running around uh, I don't know what they call it now Giant Stadium over in San Francisco it used to be AT and T Park I think it's Back Bell whatever now, um, but it was really awesome I mean we were we were out there running running on the field. It was like field of dreams doing a running cl- clinic. You know? Oh, so, I love that. Um, so go to, uh, yeah, go to challenge athletes, uh, dot org. You can, you can check out OSER and see what, um, you know, what the, uh, uh, the clinic schedule is like. And then what I tell everybody, anybody who will listen to me. Um, and again, I don't know what COVID has in store for us this year, but, uh, the challenge athletes foundation puts on their, uh, signature event in October of every year held in La Jolla. It's, it's a, a triathlon challenge. If you can't do the triathlon, that's okay. You can, you can uh, uh, be a part of a relay team and they'll connect you with people. If you don't have anybody to go with you or you can just go. And, and it's so important to just go because uh, their largest run clinic is there. And the, number of people, the number of amputees, the number that the amount of support that is available to you, the, the ideas, the exchange of, of different solutions, because everybody's kind of figured it out. And then everybody goes, you know, to the, to the run clinic and, and, and they're open. They're all open to sharing. This is my solution. This is, this is how I figured this out. Um, because what one person's situation, nah, that's not going to work for me. But that one, that one I like. That one might, that one I might be able to figure out. So, um, you know, and then the biggest thing, you just, you just make some really quality, lifelong friendships out of the whole thing. Yeah, I can't even imagine how empowering that would be to get connected with that many people who all have ideas and solutions and have all tried it their way and just being part of all that brain power to help everybody improve. I think well, that would just be amazing. Yeah. And it just, it wasn't available when I was a child. Like I didn't know any amputees growing up. So I, I was literally in that proverbial bubble trying to figure out things, you know, on my own. Um, you, you know, I, <laughs> I had a good, I actually had a good buddy. He tried to get me to ride a bike. Of course, his house was on, on a, um, I don't know. It's probably like a, what is it, a 60 degree incline or something like that. Like it was steep. Wow. And I was like, I'm not getting on a bike here. We can maybe drive your bike. Let's go find some flat ground. But, uh, <laughs> um, 
but yeah, you, you know, just uh, again, I mean, and it, and it's really it's really little things like the angle, like if you're an above knee amputee, the angle of the foot in relationship to uh, the knee joint, while it might be great for walking because it's more stable, it's terrible for a bike because now what ends up happening is your heel ends up banging into the, um, you know, in, in, into the crank and you just keep falling off. Like your foot keeps falling off over and over again. So, uh, finding out like even just simple solutions like that. So is it a different prosthetic for running versus biking? Oh, absolutely. My, 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 my bike leg is about as unstable as you could possibly imagine for, for walking around. Um, and, you know, it's, it's honest, it's terrible. And then for me, so a lot of people can run with a, um, with a knee joint. I actually didn't like the knee joint. So I just, I run with a straight pylon. So imagine you, you, you can't ride a bike if you can't bend your knee. So, so right. neither of them work for the other, um, right. Makes sense. you know, the other purpose. And so now all of a sudden you start thinking about it. And so it's, it's like, wow, if you just wanted to get into triathlon, I mean, you've got your everyday walking leg. Now you've got to get a bike leg. The cool thing about the bike leg is you can actually build it with really inexpensive parts. Um, and then um, the, the, the run leg does have, have a little bit more tech in it. Hmm. Very interesting. So you also have a business. And when I was I on your website, I noticed that you have some principles that really have some strong overlap with mindset principles and just foundational things that you would do as an athlete. Can you tell us what those are? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the thing that we've noticed, especially, gosh, in today's day and age, uh, everybody wants a magic bullet or, or a one-size-fits-all solution. And uh, if you ever live in my world, that doesn't exist. Right. So, so all the things that work for everybody else didn't work for me because, because I, you know, I'm an amputee trying to figure out how to ride a bike. And, um, but the fundamentals are all, they're all still the same. The tactics change all the time, but the fundamentals stay the same. And so uh, from, from a business standpoint, we always preach three things. Uh, The first fundamental is you've got to do your research. It's research, research, research. And so, um, whether you're a triathlete, you're scoping out what race am I doing? What's the distance? What's the terrain? What's the weather like? You know, all those sorts of things. Um, you know, football, football teams, bas- professional basketball teams, what do they do? They scout their opponents. They want as much intel and as much research and as much data as they possibly can. Your business is the same way. It, if you don't do that research, then you're just going out and winging it. And that works some of the time, but it fails the majority of the time. And then once we've got the research, once we know what's happening, what's going on, uh, the research tells us where the opportunity lies. And that's when we build out a strategic game plan uh, to win. Um, where, where, you know, where can you, you know, in triathlon, it's like, where can you shave off time? Where's, where's our Where's our time now best spent so that you can save time um, while you're racing? Uh, it's, you know, again, going back to professional sports, it's like the, the, the film study will tell you where your opponent's weaknesses are and where to go after them. And, and you know, the, is this going to be, are, are we going to run the ball or are we going to pass the ball, uh, you know, majority of the time? And, um, you know, and, and business is, is the same way. We, I can't tell you how many times we've had companies come in thinking that they want to execute a certain game plan only to find out that the research tells them a completely different story. And, and so uh, we base the game plan. We let the research drive the game plan. And then um, the third thing is, it's race day. 
go and execute, go and have an incredible time. Like just enjoy the moment and, and go at it. But at the same time, uh, now you're getting real time data coming back in and you have to make, um, you know, you have to make, make adjustments uh, as you go. Um, for example, not one of my finer moments. I was actually telling the story the other day. Uh, I got, I was hit with some food poisoning in New York before the New York city try. And uh, I gave it a go and I got through that water, the swimming in the Hudson and I got through the, uh, the bike and I got off that bike and I was, I was, I was so incredibly dehydrated. I was like, this isn't safe for me anymore. And so I had to make the call and that was my one and only DNF ever. And so, you know, but there's real, you know, there's, there's the game plan and then there's what really happens in real time. And you have to make those sorts of, um, you know, sorts of adjustments. It's the same thing as, you know, figuring out what's working during the game. You got 60 minutes, change the, you know, change the plan as you go because, and it's the same thing when we're doing, you know, we're running an advertisement or we're running a campaign. It's like, how are people responding? What's the, maybe the micro change that can get us that extra 1%, 10% and really explode this campaign as opposed to just doing good. Mm-hmm. I've always said, I, I like the parallels that you're making because I've always said that I would rather hire an athlete than somebody who doesn't understand that mindset of an athlete, because I just think that, you know, the athletes and, and everybody who, you know, has a goal and says, Hey, I'm going to train for a 5k. I mean, or I, up to, you know, whatever kind of triathlon you want to do. I consider everybody an athlete when I'm talking about this, no matter like their experience level. But I just think that, you know, they're good at, Hey, here's a, I have this goal. Now let's make a plan. Now I'm going to stick with it. Mm -hmm. And they have the perseverance and the ability to set the goals and follow through with the goal. And I would so much rather hire somebody who has that mindset than somebody who just doesn't have those skills. I just think athletes have unique skills that way. Yeah. And to put it another way, it's really that problem solving mindset. Uh, we were talking a little bit before the show. It's like, we've all done it. We, we've rolled out on a basketball court or a soccer field or whatever have you. And there's somebody out there that's better than you. And if you want to beat them, you got to figure it out. And maybe they're bigger, faster, stronger, and you just got to outsmart them or like, but it comes from that. I just got to figure it out mentality. It comes from that problem solving uh, mentality. I got to figure it out. It's not, Oh, well he's better than me. It's like, I got to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And I think that throughout how you got into triathlon, I think you're, you are proving that with, you know, Hey, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to surround myself with more people who know more than I do. I'm going to go seek out those experts. I'm going to put myself in a situation where things are hard and, and look at how much you learned throughout that process. It was an incredible uh, process, especially from a personal growth standpoint. I mean, just the, uh, the people that I've met that were just so inspiring and helpful and, um, friendly and loving and all that kind of good stuff. It's just a, a, a wonderful, wonderful ride. Um, but I, I think that what we need in this world are more people who are willing to put themselves out there and to trust that the right people that you need will show up by virtue of you taking the right steps in the right direction. Yeah, that's a really great point. Now, in your business, what kind of businesses or people do you work with? Uh, so we work with a variety of different businesses. Uh, a sweet spot for us is, uh, you know, the e-commerce retail uh, because their entire business is online and, and we have a suite of uh, services that uh, they can take advantage of um, to, to, to grow. Uh, their business online. Uh, but what we're also, f you know, finding now during the, the, this whole COVID thing is that having an online presence is absolutely essential for even the 
oldest brick and mortar uh, physical location store because what it really comes down to is who are your clientele? Who's, who are your customers? And do you have a way to continually interact with them even when we're practicing social distancing? Do you have a way to connect with them? Because in today's age, we, we communicate and we connect so much differently than back when, when, when I was growing up. I mean, I remember in high school, like we got, we got call waiting and that was like a big deal. And, and now, you know, now we got, we've got uh, uh, an embarrassment of riches when it comes to um, um, how we can, you know, communicate and how we can connect with people almost to the point where it's like, I've, I've actually missed meetings cause we, I've got too many links and I don't know which one is the link that we're supposed to be on. Are we doing a Google hangout or are we doing a zoom call or are we uh -huh. Facebook messenger? Like, um, whatever. So, um, or we were doing everything on zoom and then last week you switched all the links to teams and now I'm really confused. Where am I supposed to be right now? Ex exactly. That's happening to me a lot. Exactly. So uh, regardless of whether, like I said, you're the oldest brick and mortar and, you know, or, or, or if you're the, the you're an online only store, um, you've got to have an online presence and you've got to win with that online presence. And yep. there's a lot of noise because there's a lot of noise out there and, you know, hey, Congratulations! You're the uh, you're the best lawyer. You're the best doctor. You're the best shoe store, you know, in in the town. But you're not getting the best business. Why is that? Yeah, I felt because so. Got, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say because you got to win online. I mean, that's just how it is. Yeah, I felt so sorry for some of the smaller businesses and some of the local restaurants that didn't have any of that online presence in place. They didn't have any way to generate leads or to stay connected with their customers. And so mm -hmm. when all of a sudden, you know, boom, we're shutting everything down, their customers were in the dark. And unless their customers knew how to find them and went seeking them out online, they didn't know, oh, this restaurant is offering takeout or we have this yeah. special deal. And I just think it should be, a booming business for people like you right now, because I hopefully everybody has started to learn from the mistakes that were just made and are going to protect themselves for the future. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, t I'll tell you the story. I mean, we, you know, we had a, a, a Mexican restaurant that obviously got shut down with the whole COVID thing, but, you know, because we were running um, lead captures on their campaigns we were constantly building up an email list to reach to, of all their patrons. And so they, you know, they had, I can't remember how, how many people they had on their email list, but now all of a sudden we get, you know, we get to COVID and it's like, but we can still reach out to them. We can reach out to them via Facebook. We could reach out to them via email and say, Hey, look, nobody's allowed in the restaurant, but, if you want to order burritos to go just for curbside pickup, place your order here and, you know, and then just, just zoom by and we'll hand it to you. And, and so they were, they were able to, you know, keep, um, keep their business going, going strong without having a single patron enter in the restaurant. Yeah. You know, they, they pared down the menu and, um, you know, made the, made the offering simple and, and they were successful. There, there's a, there's a gal up in uh, San Francisco, not my client, but she was, she got creative with the whole thing and she was doing these little COVID cakes, right? So they, she was a little bakery and doing cakes that said stuff like, don't forget to wear your mask. And she was pumping them out there via social media. People thought they were fun and cute and what have you. And, you know, her business actually went up during you know, during the, the pandemic. Um, yeah. You know, we have so, a lady. so there's a way is the point. Yeah. We have a lady here who was doing, she's a, just a small cookie company and she yeah. was doing cookies that were already made and delivering them to you. And she kind of pivoted where you could come pick up your cookie kit 
And then she was doing online classes where she was teaching you how to frost the cookies and use her techniques, which I thought was a really cool way to keep people engaged. And then you pay for this little class and you do this class with your kids and now your kids are engaged and, mm-hmm. you know, doing a fun activity and you're not ready to, you're not ready to strangle your own kids. So, yeah. I really love yeah. seeing some of those creative ideas. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was, I think it was, I can't remember. It was, I think it was in Texas. They were, again, another, another food truck where they said, Hey, look, you can't park in a place for longer than an hour. So what did they do? They made it a game and they, they had their list and, and it was like, we're going to be here for an hour and we're going to be, you know, doing curbside pickup. We're going to be here for an hour, curbside pickup and blah, blah, blah. And so they made it a, they made it a game, almost like a, a where's Waldo yeah. of food trucks. And, you know, people were, um, you know, people were, were incredibly engaged on that. So, um, it, it's, it's all about having that problem solving mentality and, and being creative and taking taking the, the strategic steps to to execute them. So if people want to find you to learn more about your athletic accomplishments or to do business with you and learn more about business and marketing, how do they find you? Sure. Uh, I am on LinkedIn quite a bit. So look under Creighton Wong for uh, my LinkedIn profile and just reach out to me. I'm happy to have a conversation conversation with you and uh you know we can talk about athletics we can talk about uh, business um both of them get me excited uh you can check out my website over at exponentialclients.com um and you can email me at creighton c-r-e-i-g-h-t-o-n at exponentialclients.com so um pretty easy to get a hold of and i will put all that info in the show notes now i appreciate it I always end with the same question, and it is okay. power up your performance is all about learning how to think, feel, perform, and live like a champion. And you have definitely overcome a lot of obstacles. You have experienced championships in sport and in life. Can you give us three traits that you think all champions possess? Boy, um, <clears throat> the first one's grit. Uh, there's a great Ted talk. Um, oh, and I always forget the name of the gal who did it, but, uh, basically she did it. She did an entire study of like, who is uh, successful as an entrepreneur, who's successful in business. And it had nothing to do with, uh, uh, race or socioeconomic class or, or, uh, sex or anything like that. It all came down to one trait and that was just uh, grit, or in other words, uh, perseverance. You just, you, you just, you just got. To, there are going to be days. There's going to be days, whether you're training or whether you're in business, that uh, you know things hit the fan, and you know you've got to be able to persevere and, and um, put your head down and, and, and get through it um, and everything. So, I, so I think that uh, is probably the most important thing uh, to have, um, and then enthusiasm. You just really have to be enthusiastic about what you're doing, what you're trying to build. I mean, because essentially as an entrepreneur, that's what you're doing is you're building something from nothing. And that's a really fun and exciting thing, despite the days that, uh, you know, don't go your way. Um, you know, and so, so carry, carry that youthful enthusiasm and be open and, um, and everything. And then, uh, and then I, I'll just go back to, to our first fundamental, research, research, research. And one of the things that we always research is we want to know about you. And we want to know about what you stand for and what you're all about. And so you really have to think about yourself um, strategically. You got to know what your why is. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? Why is it so important? Why do you have to win? Because if you don't know why you have to win, then on those days where you don't have your enthusiasm, right, when your perseverance is a little bit low in the tank, uh, you're, you're, that's when you're going to really, really struggle. But if you know what your why is, your why is always um, 
you know, the, the, the overarching, you know, goal, you know, and for me, I didn't, I never, I never aspired to get to the, uh, the world championships, uh, you know, and, and represent the United States of America. That wasn't, that wasn't my why for me, for me, I just saw it as such a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Um, and I want it to be the very best triathlete that this body could put out there, um, and everything. Cause, cause, uh, you know, I had some challenges that even my fellow, you know, challenge athletes didn't have. And, you know, but I just sat there and I'm like, it's not about them. It's about me. And I've, I've got to squeeze every single ounce of potential so that when I'm done, I could sit there and said, I, there was, there was nothing left to get. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. It's been wonderful having you on our show. Thank you for having me. This was, this was a great conversation. I told you Creighton was great, didn't I? To recap what we learned, the real goal is to get where any new behavior becomes a habit and it is integrated into who you want to become. When you don't feel like working out, trick your brain by using the five-minute rule. His principles for life, sport, and business are plan to win, do your research, scout the opponent, get the research and data you need to help you succeed, plan for success, come up with a strategy or game plan, and enjoy the moment and execute. Also, he suggests striving to develop a problem-solving mentality and to have the enthusiasm for whatever you choose to do. I hope you enjoyed this week's interview. Have a great week. And if you are not already a subscriber, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Talk to you soon. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I'm Coach Kim Peek of Power of Run, and you can find me at www.crushingmygoals.com or on all social media as at sign power of run. If you liked this episode, be sure to give the podcast some love over on iTunes and remember to subscribe. As a new podcast, your reviews and stars and subscribes will help me grow the audience so that I can share my love of health and fitness and bring more experts to the show. Power up your week and I will catch you next Tuesday.